to all of you who have listened, shared and connected with me, thank you. I started Empower with Mahi because my deepest passion is for women to feel empowered. My new business, Organize Her, is no different. The tools we create are designed to give the busy woman back her peace of mind by helping her keep her shit together and get stuff done. Our vision is for women everywhere to feel in control of their lives, confident within themselves, and have enough time for everything that matters to them. And I am so excited to announce that Organize Her has officially launched and our productivity planner is available now at our website in addition to our digital moneymaker budget tracker. Those of you who have followed along throughout 2023 know how much time and thought has gone into these productivity planners and I know I am totally biased because this is my baby but I am completely obsessed with the planner and I know you will be too. Our website link is in the description organizeher.co and from the bottom of my heart thank you for inspiring me to fulfill my purpose for your ongoing support and for being a part of this journey with me. This is Empower, the podcast that motivates you to start living your best life as your best self. My name is Mahi Sorensen. I'm a former lawyer turned podcast host, content creator, and now your personal hype woman. Thank you so much for joining me where we chat all about growth, goals, and living with intention. No matter how life is feeling for you today, this time is yours, so let's make it count. In today's episode, we are talking about saving more money. Given how popular the interest has been in more finance and money related topics, I know that's what you guys are after. I have decided I'm just going to sprinkle through a few more episodes specifically related to finance because it's so broad and I just feel like I can't really do it all in one episode. So make sure you are following me on Instagram because over there I actually ask exactly what you want me to speak on. That's exactly what we're doing today. You asked for an episode on saving more money and I'm not going to let you down. So let's get into it. Firstly though, let's chat about the biggest hurdle to saving money. Why is it so hard for us to save money? What gets in the way? I've read a lot of the finance books, I've listened to the podcasts and If you haven't done that, I suggest doing so because bringing money and finance and all of these themes and topics into the forefront of your mind allows you to prioritize it and be more intentional when you're making financial decisions in your life. Even if it's as simple as asking yourself whether whether you'll use your last $5.20 on a Memphis meltdown at Foursquare or whether... Maybe you should save that for something more necessary. (laughs) But as well as all of that, I think bringing these thoughts and conversations and new ideas around finance and saving and spending, bringing them to the forefront of your mind means that you're more likely to start engaging in and contributing to conversations about money. And obviously... The more you know, the more confidence you have, and then you're actually able to meaningfully contribute to conversations instead of just like being a bullshit artist or feeling like you don't belong in those spaces. So why do we struggle to save money? There's the obvious ones. Firstly, I think 
I can't have this conversation without acknowledging that there is a cost of living crisis and inflation and irrespective of any other factors of the necessities of life like food and housing are increasing in price and costing you more it leaves you with less than what you would have had before. And that then adds a pinch for anyone who was trying to save, right? Same applies if your income isn't going up. And I will speak a bit further on how to make more money in another episode down the track. Then you've got debt. Debt sets us back and sometimes becomes a cycle that we get stuck in. So I'm thinking about credit cards. I'm thinking about loans, any kind of loan. It includes a mortgage. Buy now, pay later. Your afterpays. Even just borrowing money off someone else and then having to pay them back. Because not only does that set us back, that also impacts relationships. There's also not having a budget that we can stick to or not being able to set savings goals. Maybe you can set the savings goals, but you can't reach them every time they just don't work for you. Or it could be that you can start saving. You've done it a few times. You've started saving, but then something comes up like an emergency that you hadn't accounted for. And then you have to use your savings to make sure you can afford that. But there's also some deeper reasons that we sometimes find it harder to save. I know from personal experience and from talking to, you know, talking to my mates, talking to people about this, there's this really strong belief that I'll be able to save when I make more money. And as someone who has absolutely made that excuse in the past and now makes more money and therefore finds it easier to save, I get it. And I also don't like to tell people that they're wrong for feeling that type of way because I used to say the same thing and I wasn't making as much money as I do now. But it's also not helpful because it could be easier to save when you make more money. It will be. It will be easier to save when you make more money. But unless you are struggling to put food on the table, which I know is a reality for some, you can always save a proportion of your income, even if it's just $10 a week. Like you can do anything if you make it a priority. And if saving is one of those things, then you can do it. I think it's just, to be honest, I think it's just a bit of a cop out and a cop out that I used because I didn't want to make it a priority. And I was afraid of what I was going to be sacrificing if I tried saving more money than I was able to at that point in time. Obviously, now that I make a bit more money, it's easier for me and I have to acknowledge that as well. But overall, if you are someone who has the belief that you can save when you make more money, I would just take a moment to to think really critically about that and think about whether that's actually the truth or whether it's because you're not prioritizing putting savings first at the moment. And there's no judgment either way, because like I say, I was absolutely that person before at a time when I totally could have saved more money and I just didn't want to, to be honest. Then you've also got spending habits. So there's emotional spending, being there, spending money unintentionally, feeding that need for instant gratification. I'll talk a little bit more about that later on in the episode. So as you've probably already guessed, I'm going to hit you with 10 ways or 10 things that you can do to save more money. And I'm just going to get straight into it because 10 is a lot and I don't want to waste your time. And also just know that I do all of these things. Either I have done these things in the past and now I don't need to because like it's dealing with a problem that I no longer have or the things I still do right now. So like I'm not, it's not like I've gone onto Google and Googled these things and hope that they work. They work. They work for me. So hopefully they can work for you too. 
as many of you know, I have a desk bird standing desk and I love it. I am at my desk pretty much all day, most days, and hand on heart, it is one of the best investments I've ever made. And with my under desk treadmill, I can seriously hit 10,000 steps a day in less than two hours without leaving my office. So I'm not joking when I say I cannot imagine life without it now. The good people at Deskbird have given me a discount code which will get you $40 off any Deskbird desk purchase. That code is MIHI, M-I-H-I, plus you get free shipping New Zealand wide and a 10-year warranty. So make sure you head over to their website, deskbird.co.nz and check them out. The link is in the description. So number one is keep a record of all of your expenses so that you know exactly what to expect and when to expect it. This can totally form a part of your budget, which I will talk about a little bit later on, but this isn't a budget. It's just the expenses part, but in detail. So I use a spreadsheet. You don't have to, because I know it's like a total me trying to figure out how to work any kind of spreadsheet app ever. Um, you could do a list, you could just, as long as it's a record of all your expenses, you can write it down on like by hand, use word or use your notes app or use anything that you've got. So you want to keep a record of expenses and not just the big ones, but especially all the little ones, the subscriptions, the phone bills, everything that automatically gets charged to your debit card or your credit card, or just your account and the dates that they get charged, especially if it's like monthly charges. So I'm thinking about, yeah, phone bills, Netflix, Disney Plus, um, for me it's Audible, you know, like all of that stuff. Keep a record of it so then you know exactly what to expect because there is nothing worse than not accounting for some direct debits that come out and send your account into overdraft unexpectedly at the wrong time because you didn't realize it was coming out right now and you had sort of factored in other things and other places that you wanted to put your money and then you need to pull from your savings to pay for it. And then you've got no savings, you know, just keep a record. And that applies to anything if you're asking me, but let's start with your expenses. Number two is dealing with your debt, whatever it looks like, pay your debts off, smallest to largest. It's called the debt snowball method. And you can Google it if you want to learn more. It's supposedly the easiest way to pay off debts and pay them off as quickly as possible. Personally, when I have some level of debt that I can pay off earlier, I will usually pay off the highest interest rate first, just because that will build up quicker. But also it's totally dependent on how large that debt is, because if I had, I don't know, overdue after payments worth $200, but a $5,000 credit card bill at 22%, I'll just pay off the afterpay first because I can get rid of that quicker. So again, it totally depends on your circumstances and your lifestyle and kind of in your income as well. But the point is, don't let your debt sit there, deal with it. Also, when we're talking about credit cards, lower your limit. If you find yourself struggling to pay it off whenever the monthly bill comes around, if it's like a bit tough for you, your limit's too high. So lower your limit and you can do that gradually. You can do it incrementally like I do when I find myself getting a little bit too crazy with my credit card because I desperately want those air points. (laughs) Just lower your limit until it gets to a point that even if you maxed out your credit card, you can still pay that bill off relatively easily in the month. And again, I'm not going to tell you what to limit your credit card to because it's totally dependent on your situation and other debt and your income and other expenses and all of that kind of stuff. 
Number three is to set savings goals. Don't just save to save if you are someone that has typically struggled to save. It's too vague, it's too easy to fall off and not save anything because there wasn't a specific reason that you needed to. So make savings goals, but make sure that goal is important to you. So if you want me to tell you, there's probably two kind of sets of savings accounts if you're first starting out that you should have. One is an emergency account. I think that's mandatory. It's life-changing. If you don't have one, you need one. And that is the kind of savings that you put money into every time you get paid to cover stuff that you hadn't accounted for, your car breaking down, your dog's going to the vet, um, your child, I don't know, I don't know how kids work, um, <laughs> anything, anything that is an emergency, that's what that account is for. Um, and basically you just want to build it up as much as you possibly can. Some people say start by trying to build it up to 2000 and then work from there. Others will say just keep building up your emergency account until it's like the equivalent of three months worth of all of your expenses, which is a lot of money for most people. So it's up to you where you want to go with that. But yeah, emergency account, really, really, really important and really important also that you honor its name and you only use that money for actual emergencies and not just, you know, going out to the shop and getting a feed. And then probably the second type of account, savings account that I think you should have is just for whatever is important to you, whether that's travel, whether that's a house account, you're saving to buy a house, whether that's saving up, you know, for a family, for a baby, whatever it is, everyone's got something that is important to them that they wish that they had more dispensable income for. So like, for example, for me, it's travel. I've got a travel account and an emergency account. Um, and then I've got a few other ones as well, but those are my main savings accounts that I started with because an emergency account is mandatory and my next thing that kind of is the most costly that I am saving up for right now is travel. So that's number three. Number four is locking your accounts. And I've spoken about this on my story before. I'm such a big believer in it. It's one of the most effective saving strategies that I have used. Because locking your account means that you can't access it without taking the extra step of contacting the bank and asking them for it to be unlocked. Which means that it basically just gives you more time to really reconsider and be like, oh, can I be bothered? Do I really need this money right now? Or am I just doing this because I can see that there's extra money there and I want to use it? You know, instead of normally, like prior to locking my accounts, I could just transfer money between my accounts and do what I wanted with it. And I didn't have to talk to anyone about it. You know, so it's that kind of extra level of accountability that brings a third party into it because you need the bank in order to unlock the account. And you also still get the benefit of watching your savings go up, but you don't have the easy access to pull money without really thinking about it first. So that's number four. And number five is if you're really serious, hiding your accounts because sometimes locking the accounts is not enough. Actually, for me, especially seeing the amount that I have saved so far means that I know how much I have to work with. I can then negotiate with myself in my head while I'm waiting on hold with the bank to get them to unlock the account. Um, because I'm like telling myself, okay, I could afford to pull out this much and it will still leave this much in the account. Like if I can see how much is in the account. So actually, to be honest, for me, the best thing I can do is just hide the savings accounts, set up an automatic payment, which I will talk about soon. Um, 
and then just have absolutely no idea how much is in the savings account as long as I know those automatic payments are going in. Then we've got number six, reconsider the bank that you're with and whether it suits your lifestyle. And I can't remember whether I've spoken about this before, but this was probably the point at which I did this a couple of years ago was also the point that I really started sorting my shit out with my money, basically. So I'm with Westpac. Also, when I'm talking about these banks, I'm like not connected to any of these banks. It's just genuinely like my situation. I'm with Westpac. I've been with Westpac ever since my parents opened my first bank account for me. My mortgage is with Westpac. My pay comes into my Westpac account. It's always been that way. Every single job that I've had since my first job at Wendy's at the Ice Cream Blaze. But I did some research a few years ago and I decided that actually I prefer the BNZ app. I like the way that you can lock your accounts easily. I like that you can open different accounts for different purposes. The whole thing was just a lot more user-friendly, in my opinion, for me. So now all my savings and my spending accounts are worth BNZ because it's the most user-friendly option for me and it makes managing my money easier for me. And you may not even realize that this is potentially affecting you and your saving and your spending habits, but double check that you're actually happy with your system, happy with the services that your bank offers. What works for me might not work for you, but it's knowing that there's no fixed rules. If you want to stick with one bank, you can. If you want to split it across two banks like me, you can. If you want to use one bank for income and expenses, one bank for spending and one bank for a savings account, you can do that too. Like you can shop around for banks and I feel like a lot of people don't realize that because it's normally your parents will set you up with a bank account and it's like, well, you know, bank's a bank, does the same thing. So what's the point in changing? There is a point in changing if it's going to make it easier for you to manage your money. So if you do want to start looking into this, a good place to begin is actually comparing bank fees between banks you want to limit the amount of bank fees you get charged at any point. Ideally, you shouldn't have any bank fees at all, but compare the bank fees, compare debit cards, compare the price of debit cards or credit cards um, to set up an annual fees as well, compare interest rates on the savings accounts. Um, my biggest one, honestly, was comparing accessibility and apps and how user-friendly they were because that's really, really important to me in terms of like efficiency and just lifestyle. I rely very heavily on my banking apps. So yeah, again, it just depends on what you're looking for. But also keep in mind, if you are planning on buying a house, switching all of your banking from one bank to another could actually impact your ability to get good rates with your current bank. So just check that before you make any moves. Number seven is cancel automatic subscriptions and memberships that you don't use. The way that I do this is going back to my expenses spreadsheet, you know, the one that I talked about in the first point. I go back to it around quarterly, every four months or so. And is that four months? No, it's three months. Every three months. I go back and I check it. And I go through all of my expenses to see if there is anything that I can cancel, things that I don't use enough, things that I use but I don't get the value out of. So say for instance, if you are paying for a streaming service but you only use it once a month and you're paying like $15, if it's worth that $15 to you, then that's all good. But if it's not, then do you really need it? Could you do without it? Could that $15 give you more value if it was redistributed somewhere else? I like to think of it because I'm like a, a decluttering 
fiend. I think of it as decluttering your finances. And I don't know about you, but it sounds very exciting to me. <laughs> I guess you just, you want to make sure that you aren't wasting a single dollar you spend because it all adds up. But also on the flip side of that, you don't have to cut everything out unless you're really staring down struggle street. If you can, I encourage you to keep the things that actually do bring you joy because it'll make the whole journey and the process of sorting out your financial literacy and just like managing your money and doing better and saving more and being more comfortable financially. It'll just make the whole process a whole lot easier. Eight, set up your budget and supplement it with automated payments so it becomes automatic. If you've read The Barefoot Investor, my budget is pretty much inspired by the process he set out in there. And admittedly, I can't really say I'm a huge fan of the book, but I do like the simple budget method that he sets out because it's definitely the best one that I've come across for myself. The book offers variations depending on where you're at in your financial journey. But if you are just starting out and you want to start with a budget, you don't really know where to begin, you can use the following method, which comes from the book. So out of your full take-home pay, which we will assume is 100% of your income, 60% will go into expenses, 10% will go into spending, 10% will go into like a fund savings account. So that's the second type of savings account that I was talking about before, travel or house fund or baby or family or whatever it is that you're saving for that's like that you're looking forward to basically. And then the final 20% will go towards paying off debt and or adding to your emergency account. And as time goes on, you can kind of remix it to suit yourself and your needs. But I think starting simple makes it a lot easier. Doesn't matter how much you're making because it works on proportion of percentages. And, you know, like when I did this, I opened a spending account. I connected it to a debit card that was only going to be used for spending. Then you can open a fund savings account. You can lock it. You can open an emergency account and lock it. You can hide it. It's up to you, really. But I think this budget is a good place to start. Then nine is investing in shares and stocks. And this kind of needs its own episode. I invest monthly. I use shares to do that. The earlier you start investing, the better, without a doubt, because you get the added benefit of compound interest, which is going well beyond my expertise. And I suggest you go and visit Girls That Invest or the Māori Millionaire podcast if you want to learn a bit more about the specifics of investing. But otherwise, just remember that investing is long game stuff. And if you don't quite feel ready to actively invest into something like sharesies, just know that if you are contributing to KiwiSaver, that is a form of investing. Definitely something I think everyone should consider, though, without a doubt. And shares aren't the only way to invest. You can invest in property, you can invest in gold, other assets that will appreciate over time and will make you money. But I'm not going to tell you to go and buy a house because that's self-explanatory. If you can, then you should, but you don't need me to tell you that. And then number 10, final, final tip. Start saying no and be intentional about when and how you spend your money. And I would say this is probably the hardest one. It's one that I still struggle with and most people do struggle with because we live in a world of instant gratification. Everything that we want, we can have at our door in like an hour any food that you want, Uber Eats. You want to buy something online? You can get it online. You can get it same day delivery some places in New Zealand. 
you want to watch a movie, you don't have to go to the DVD shop anymore. You can just go to Netflix and just find whatever it is that you want to watch. Sometimes you don't even know what you want to watch because, I don't know, bring back the DVD stores. And no, it'll never happen, but that was like such a pastime. Anyways, basically, we can get what we want and we can get it very fast. And so what that means is that we don't actually have the time. Like I said, with the locking the accounts and hiding the accounts, those methods mean that you have time to actually think about what you're doing. Think about whether you want to transfer your money out. Think about whether you want to spend your money on this thing. Now, we don't have to think because of instant gratification. Thinking about just the way that you spend your money, if there is anything that you can do to delay that instant gratification, and it's not going to feel natural because that's not fun, why would I want to wait? But... (laughs) It's about forming positive habits and by using the word no or telling yourself not now, you will save money and it's a big mindset shift, like huge, again, something I'm definitely still working on, that you will feel better for it and you will be better for it and it will help you. It's why they say like before you make a big purchase, sit on it for 24 hours And then if you're still thinking about it in 24 hours, then yeah, it's probably the right one to go with. But otherwise, do you really want this thing or do you just want it because you've decided like in the last 10 minutes that you really need it, but actually you don't, you know, just think about it. Anyways, that is all I've got for you today. Those are kind of my 10 tips. Let me know what you thought of this episode. Let me know what you want to hear more of and I will give it to you. But on that note, I will love you and leave you. Thank you for listening. I appreciate that you've taken time out of your day to listen to me. So make sure you do something kind for yourself today and I will chat to you next week. 